You happy, James? <laughs> Good afternoon. Good to see all of you here this afternoon. And if I don't do that, I won't be able to see my own notes. Let's get started with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the message that we've heard this morning, the word that you've already imparted into our lives. As we look into these passages this afternoon and the thoughts, we'd ask again that you would speak to us, that you'd help us to learn, help us to grow in you. In Christ's name we ask, amen. So Jimmy disappeared. I was going to have him help me. Elijah's going to have to help me instead. So our passage was reading about the dimensions of the ark and God having to build the ark. Oh, yeah, Jimmy, come on up here. We'll use you again. We'll get to that passage near the end. Before then, we're going to go through some other passages. Have you ever thought about the dimensions of the ark? You know, the scripture says, you know, it's okay, it's 300 cubits long. That's a football field, right? Right? That's a football field, 300. You know, it's like, no, it's 300 cubits. You know, it's okay, what's a cubit? It's 50 cubits wide. Well, okay, you know, this building's about 50 feet wide. You know, no, it's cubits. You know, it's 30 cubits tall. It's like, well, okay, you know, it, these are measurements, these are dimensions that we're really not familiar with. A cubit in the old environment would be measured from the elbow to the tip of the finger. You know, so there's a cubit, and it's, oh, okay, that's a little bit longer than a foot long. When they were building the pyramids, when they were building a lot of the old archaeology, old sites back then, they used what was called the royal cubit. And so they would take the cubit, and then they would add four more fingertips on the end of it. And what's really interesting is that they can then break the cubit down. They break it down into hands. They break it down into fingers. You know, so just like we're used to inches and quarter inches and half feet and all that, they do the same thing with the cubit. Well, okay, that's still great. You know, it's like, okay, so how big is this arc? You know, last weekend, I wasn't here. I was over in Kentucky. A friend of mine is like, you've got to come to see the arc. It's like, okay, we'll go see the ark. I need a vacation anyways. So that was my first view of the ark. And I purposely cropped the image to get rid of some other things just so that you really can't get a good idea as to how big it is. But that was my first view of it. And actually, at that point, I was about a mile and a quarter away from it. My second view of it was a little bit closer. It's like, okay, you know, now we're starting to talk about Pretty good-sized ship here. You know, this is looking pretty good. And then we get even closer to it. The interesting thing is that you actually, to get into it, you walk underneath the bottom of it. And so the underside of the arc is, if I remember right, like uh, 11 or 12 feet off the ground. So when you walk in, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. And then you look at the size of the area they have there under the ark, and you're like, okay, this is getting to be a big boat. So the free previous scene was the front of the boat. This is actually the, uh, back, of the, uh, the back of the ark. You know, and so we've got some people there, and again, just starting to show how big it is. But it still doesn't do me any good. So Jimmy, come here. We've got we to do some measuring here. We're going, to, we're going to start off simple. We're going to start off with how tall the boat is, okay? The boat's 30, 30 cubits tall, okay? Now, I work with computers, and so I know how to operate a calculator, and that works out to be 51 feet tall. Do you want the smart end or the dumb end? Once you take the dumb end, okay? 
And I'm going to stand up here, and you're going to start walking to the back of the auditorium, and I'm going to tell you when you get to 51 feet. Okay, there's 10 feet, so keep going. This is how tall the ark is. Let's see, it looks like about 23. I think we're up to about 30. Slow down a little bit so I can read the numbers. 37. What did I, what did I say we had to get to? 51. You know, there's 42. You're going to have to go a little bit further. Let's see, there's 46, we're getting close. There's 49, there goes 50, okay, so we got to come back just a little bit. There's 50, where'd the 51 go? Oh, there's the 51 right there. So now take this distance and stand it up. Can you stand it up for us, Jimmy? (laughs) Okay, so there's how tall the arc is. Okay, we're starting to get an idea as to how big this is. Okay, so now hold, hold right there for a moment, Jimmy. The width of the arc is 50 cubits, which that works out to be 85 feet. So everybody say goodbye to Jimmy. Keep walking, Jimmy. We've got to get to 85 feet now. You're going to have to go right out into the hallway. Bye. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> There's 64 feet. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, There's 70 feet, and I'm actually going to cheat. I'm going to walk towards you a little bit. Keep going. There's 76. Keep going. We got to get to 85. Keep going. There's 79. There's 82, 83, 84. Okay, hold up. There's 85. And when I measured it this morning, I measured it off of the front of the stage here. And Jimmy is at the end of the hallway at the corner to go into the ladies' room. That's how wide the ark is. You know, so we, you know, we read 50 cubits, and, okay, the building's 50 feet. It's like, oh, no, the, it doesn't fit within the width of the building. It just about fills the length of the building. Okay, thank you, Jimmy. My measuring tape only goes to 150. You can let go of it. Come on in. This is only 100-foot tape, so I can't do the 510 feet. So instead, we're going to do that. If we were to take the arc and lay it so that, or put it so that the end of the arc is right here in the center of the building and we're heading towards Eastern Avenue, you take a look there, and we've gone right across Eastern Avenue, and we've gone about 30 feet, roughly, into the property on the other side of Eastern Avenue. For the width of it, Atlee Optical, the doctor's office right here in front of us, is totally destroyed, smushed right underneath the arc. Okay? So start to give you an idea as to how big this is. It's huge. Okay, we, uh, we walked up onto the first floor of the arc, and they had the... Thank you, you can go sit down. Um, the very front of the arc was open, just an open area, and I'm looking at it, I didn't take a picture, but it's like, we could seat our entire auditorium just in this little front part of the, of the arc. Um, and then going through there, the plan of salvation is very nicely laid out, um, very well done what they've done. If you ever get a chance to go, I'd highly recommend it. It's like, okay, so that's all well and good. How does this all, t- how does this all t- uh, tie together? 
the next morning, Sunday morning, I woke up and again, you know, my mind is just thinking, you know, it's like, you know, this was huge. This is so much bigger than anything I expected. And the Lord spoke to me and he's like, how much bigger am I compared to what you're expecting? So let's flip, uh, go over to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start there. So all this week, there's been three or four different passages that have been floating and rolling back and forth through my mind, thinking about it. And honestly, I haven't fully come to a full answer within my own life, dealing with my own situations. But I hope this will be a blessing and encouragement to you. In Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they've continued with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and gave thanks, and brake them, and gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. You know, a familiar account, you know, Jesus feeding, you know, feeding the crowd and his bread, you know, there's items left over. The interesting thing, though, is this isn't the first time. We only have to go back two chapters or actually it's uh, one chapter, but it's about two to three days, maybe a week. And we go back to chapter 14, and we read in verses 14 through 21, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looked up to heaven. He blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So when we get to chapter 15, they've already gone through this situation, possibly just a few days to a week before. And yet you notice the disciples' attitudes. They're like, we don't know. We're out here in the wilderness. You know, Hannaford's several hundred miles that way, Lord. You, know, you should know that. You know, what are we going to do? They'd already forgotten or something 
what Christ had just done just a few days before in the exact same situation. And so the Lord spoke to me, and he's like, I've worked in your life before. I've done things for you. And yet you reach a similar, similar situation, and you run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Well, what am I going to do? You know, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I'm confused. You know, Lord, what's going on? He's like, have you already forgotten how I solved, how I worked in your life in this same situation? And so I call that our visible faith, things that happen within our lives, things that God has done in our lives. We've seen him work personally in our life, but we so soon forget. And the same situation comes up again, and we've forgotten, Lord, what are we going to do? You know, the thought that went through my mind is like, yep, Lord, here's my blessing. You've, you've given me my blessing. I've put a cap on it to make sure I don't lose it. But this is the blessing that you gave me, and I'm not worthy, and I'm not deserving of anything else. It's like, take the cap off. Let me fill it. Let me overflow it. I can do it again. I can give you another bottle. You know, I, I, how big am I? I did it before. Can't I do it again? Don't you trust me in that little bit, something that you've already seen me do? So our visible faith, how big is our visible faith, the way the Lord's worked within our own personal lives? Let's flip backwards as we work back towards Genesis. We're going to go to Judges chapter 6. This one I'm calling the hearing faith. The Judges chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 11. And we'll read down to verse 16. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak that was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash, the Abizorite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. We have heard how the Lord has worked in other people's lives. We have heard how the Lord has done great things in other people's lives. But who am I? Why should the Lord do that to me? I'm not a Paul. I'm not Daniel. Well, okay, I am Daniel, but I'm not the Daniel from back then, although it feels like a lion's den at times. I'm not David. I'm not Gideon. I'm not Moses. Yeah, I'm not Abraham. Yeah, I, yeah, Lord, I'm not, I'm not a great man of God. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing big and special about me. 
So I understand, Lord, you did these great and wonderful things for them. Why in the world would you do it to me? I'm, I'm nothing. But the Lord said, I did it for them. There's nothing special about them. You're my child. I've called you to be part of my family. Just these things that I've done, no, I'm probably not going to do the exact same things for you because your life is different. But I can do it. I am God. How big am I? Do you trust me? In the things that you've heard me do for other people, do you trust me enough to believe that I can do and I can work in your life and I can minister to you? So it's not just, okay, Lord, you've worked in my life and I don't, you know, do I have enough faith to believe you can do the same thing again in my life? Lord, I've heard how you've worked in other people's lives. And Lord, do I believe that you can do that same work in my life hundreds, thousands of years later? So do we have a hearing faith? How big is our God with our hearing faith? Now we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6. Again, verses 12 through 16. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with the lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Lord's looked down on earth. He's seen the sin. He's seen the destruction. He's like, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to start over again with Noah and his family, righteous Noah and his family. He comes down and he speaks to Noah. Okay, Noah, this is my plan. I need you, you're going to build an ark for me. Here's the dimensions of it. As we showed, you know, it's a pretty good-sized ship. For 120 years, Noah works on that boat, building it. We have no record of God coming back and speaking to Noah again about the boat. Did he? We don't know. We have no record of it. Possibly. This is a believing faith. This is where God says, I want you to step out. I want you to do something. And then it's like he sort of disappears from our life. And so we're left there with a direction, a project, a goal, something that the Lord's told us to do. How big is our God? How big is our faith? Are we willing to step out? Are we willing to do that? You know, I can I can just picture Noah, you know, if God never came back again, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you gave me the you gave me the dimensions here. What do, how do I do the insides of it? How do I, you know, how are we going to deal with fresh water for all the animals? You know, Lord, how long is it going to rain for? You know, how much food do I need? How much water do I need? You know, what do we need to do here? You know, my thought also went to Abraham. 
And the Lord said, I want you to take your family, pack up your family, and start traveling to a land that I will show you when you get there. And again, there's no record of God speaking to Abraham. And we trust that the Lord guided Abraham as he made that journey. But Abraham stepped out on faith and he says, okay, don't know where I'm going. Load up the U-Haul, but we're heading out. And we'll know when we get there because the Lord's going to tell me. How big is our faith? How big is our ark? How big is our God? And so that last Sunday morning laying there and the Lord's just saying these different situations, different things happening in my life. He's like, how big am I to you? How big? Can I handle something that I've handled in the past? Can I do that again in your life? Yeah, Lord, you can do that because I've seen you do it. Help my faith, Lord, because it's awfully rough. Well, okay, you've heard what the Lord's done in other people's lives. Can you trust me for that, that what I've done for other people, I will do for you? Okay, that's a little bit bigger step, Lord, but yeah, I can believe that. I can, I can do that. It, you're big enough to do that. Okay, now I'm really going to push you. Here's my command. Here's, my, here's something I want you to do. Step out and do it. Lord, where'd you go? Lord, where are you? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to step out? Are you going to do that? The last passage is Matthew 21. Because the other thing we look at is, well, these people, you know, the, you know, they're, my, you know, they're greater than I am. They're more spiritual than I am. Or, you know, you know, look what the Lord did for them, you know, did through them or didn't, you know, whatever. And we, but we read Matthew 21, and starting in verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Again, a familiar parable that Christ said, but the Lord said to me and showed me with this that, we look at these other passages that we've read and who had the greatest faith? You know, was it the disciples? Well, they just had a little bit of faith, you know, because it was only a few days ago, you know, they'd forgotten that little bit of faith. You know, was it Gideon? And, well, he had to have a bigger faith because, you know, he was just hearing the stories, but the Lord had never worked in his heart. Or is it Noah? Does Noah have the biggest faith? Because the Lord gave him something to do, and then he just had to step out and do it. And the Lord says, no. It comes down to obedience. It doesn't matter what I've told you to do. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Are you going to obey me? 
Or are you going to say, yep, Lord, I, I obey you, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, and then we're like the son here that he didn't go to the vineyard that day. He stayed home, played his video games, did whatever. Or with the other son that, you know, no, Lord, I'm not going to follow you. I, I, my faith isn't big enough. I, I, Lord, I, who am I, Lord, that you'd use me? Lord, yeah, no, I'm scared. You know, okay, Lord, I'm going to step out on faith. It's a big step for me. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it's a situation that I've already been through, and okay, Lord, I've got to believe that you're going to do this again for me. Maybe it's a situation that I've heard how you've worked in other people's lives, and I've got to take that step, Lord, and say, yes, I believe you can work in my life. You can do that in my life also. Or maybe it's the big unknown step, and the Lord said, go do this, and then we don't hear from him again. And we're left wondering, am I, am I going the right path, Lord? Am I doing what you want me to do? How big is our ark? How big is our God? He is so much bigger than anything we can imagine. He's outside of time and space. He can do anything he wants. But he looks at me, he looks at you, and he says, are you going to obey? Are you going to trust? Are you going to step out in the little situation, the medium situation, or the big situation? Where's your faith? Are you going to step out and obey? How big is our ark? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are an awesome God, that you are a great God. You're the creator of all things. But Lord, I know I struggle in my own life with trusting you and with stepping out and just relying on you, Father, in various situations and even things that I've gone through, and I know you can do it again. Lord, help my faith to grow. Help all of our faith. Use us, Father. Help us to be obedient, to look to you and to follow you in all things. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.